permission should you choose to accept. I know, cheesy as can be, but it got a, gets the point across. You will never forget that. How in the world did he do that? <laughs> Mission Impossible. If you are a fan of any of those movies, you have that theme in your head followed by your mission should you choose to accept. Brothers and sisters, we have marching orders, as Michelle reminded us this morning. Thank you for listening to the Holy Spirit on that. Sometimes he just carries us along, puts the words in our mouths, which is great. We have marching orders. We have a mission, a kingdom commission to bring the kingdom of heaven to earth. These are the calling. This is the calling of every believer. And so as we are in this series in Matthew on kingdom mission, we look today at marching orders because though we may know that there is this mission to bring the kingdom of God to earth, I trust this morning that your answer to the your mission should you choose to accept is yes. That you're, you're in that place of saying, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord, we say yes to the mission of God for his people. But sometimes we have those questions. How do we do that? What are the specifics? How are we to accomplish it? And just like in any war, as we see wars and rumors of wars around, we're, we're aware of those kinds of things in a heightened way today. Just like in a war, or just like in battle, there are marching orders. There are generals and there are those who lay out the battle plan. And who say, this is what to do and how to do it. And so this morning, we see Jesus giving the marching orders to his soldiers, the disciples. Marching orders that we can learn from that are no different for them as they are today for us. And so we desire to listen to our king, to our general, so to speak, King Jesus, so that we might fulfill the mission that he has given to us. This morning, there are sermon notes in your bulletins that'll have some fill-ins on the screen with some extra notes, but they will give us three commands to be able to hear in these marching orders and an application question for each of us then to be able to help us apply it for the general marching order, more of the specifics. So let's begin to look at these. Matthew chapter 10, verses 1 through 10, first marching order, uh, is in this general idea of hear who to go to. Hear who to go to. Verses 5 and 6 say, These twelve Jesus sent out with the following instructions, Do not go among the Gentiles or enter into any of the towns of the Samaritans. Go rather to the lost sheep. Of Israel. But before we look at that, we need to understand this that in the big picture, that was a very specific, but in the big picture, Jesus' marching orders for all of us is that we would go to all nations. If you've been around Dorseyville for a while or around the Christian Missionary Alliance, you would know that these two passages, Matthew 28 and Acts 1 8, are very big key passages for us to understand the mission of who to go to. To all nations, Matthew 28, we'll eventually see as we work our way through the book of Matthew, the last words of Jesus to his disciples before ascending into heaven, therefore go and make disciples of all nations, 
baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. This is what we call the Great Commission. Luke recorded it this way in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, as Jesus was about to ascend to heaven. Says, Jesus says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. We see some very specific or more specific geographical ideas here in Acts chapter 1, verse 8. Starting in Jerusalem, it was their home city. Branching further out to Judea and Samaria, they were those who were like them in language and culture, but different in geographical region and even race. Samaria were half Jew, half Gentile. And then to the ends of the earth, overseas, different countries, different languages, different cultures. These realities of building out, starting right where you're at, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, ends of the earth. And in Matthew 28, where it said, Jesus said to make disciples of all nations. That word for nations is the word ethnos in the original language. Ethnos means people groups. And so the mission is, in all of these different places, the mission is to go to every group of people that is distinguished by race, language, or culture. What I find is interesting is everywhere that I have lived, even in the United States, I've lived, grew up in Ohio, went to school in New York, now lived in two different areas in Pennsylvania, and I can tell you all of those places are very, very different places. Culturally, values, expression of beliefs, those kinds of things, even though we are the United States of America, there is different cultures, different groups, different ethnos within all of those. You can even look at Pittsburgh and see all the different neighborhoods that are represented and are so distinct in the various ways that they were founded. There are these realities that all around the world and even right where we are at, there are different people groups distinguished by race, by language, by culture. And so whether it is right here in the village of Dorseyville or a little farther over in Allison Park, or up the river in Terenum, or somewhere else in our country here in the U.S., or Israel, or Spain, or Senegal, or China, or wherever it is, that there is the commission and the mission that we would go to all ethnos, all people groups. This is who we are to go to. But what is interesting, as I read in verses 5 through 6, Jesus told the 12, even though at the end of Matthew and in the book of Acts, to go to all of these places, he is very limited. He tells them, don't go to all of the ethnos. Don't go to all of the Gentiles. Go rather to the lost sheep of Israel. It helps us to understand this, that though we are to go to all nations, that the timing of who to go to and when is directed by the Lord. The ultimate mission would be all nations. But the scope here, as Jesus sends them out for the first time on their own, is very limited. Don't go to the Samaritans, only go 
to the lost sheep of Israel. See, here's where we need to understand. Though we will go in some way, shape, or form to all of those places, the Lord determines the timing of who you will go to and when. Hear that. So often we see this, oh, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, ends of the earth, how are we going to do all that, all, that all, all those at one time? How are we going to do all of it? The word says it, so we're supposed to do it, yes. But what we under, need to understand is the Lord is the general. Jesus is the king, and he gives us our marching orders. He determines who we go to and when. Sometimes it feels almost like the proverbial elephant that you have to eat. <laughs> There's no way to do that. But the Lord says, here's the bite I want you to take. Here are the peoples that I want you to go to. Here is when I want you to go. Here is how you are to do it. We'll see that in a minute. But the Lord determines the timing of who you will go to and when. Rest assured, we'll make it everywhere but everywhere that he tells us to go. It's his mission. We're just the soldiers. We're the ones who accept the mission. It's his mission. Like a general, he directs it. What we need to re remember in all of this too is that the mission is people. How many of you have seen those USAA or Navy Federal Credit Union commercials on TV, the USAA, who's the spokesman, do you know? Rob Gronkowski. He retires from football, Super Bowl champion number of times for, dare I say, the New England Patriots. He played for them, I know, Steeler country, not a good, not a good name there. But he, he goes and retires and he starts showing up on TV and Rob Gronkowski is in these commercials saying, I want to be a part of, I want insurance, I want benefits through USAA. And all these people are saying, no, you can't, because it's only for military and their family. And he is not. And at the end of every commercial, it says this, USAA, our people are the mission. Our people are the mission. Brothers and sisters, let me remind you that people are the mission. For God so loved the world, the people of the world, that he gave his one and only son, that whoever would believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life. The mission the mission, ultimately, is people. It's not something to accomplish. It's not ground to take. It's people. And let us always remember that Jesus came for people. People are the mission. And so we ask, as the Lord determines the timing, we ask the question, Lord, who is it today? Who is in this mission, is it today? Who are we to approach? What is God doing in the people around us? In the interaction I'm having with this person right now, what are you doing in their lives? Is there anything that you are inviting me to join in? 
And so we seek to hear, we seek to discern the answer to this question, who, Lord, who is it today? Which is why it is so important that we live in the river of his presence, because in the river of his presence is where we hear who it is today. This mission, marching order, command number one, hear who to go to. The second command in the marching orders of our king is hear then what to do. So often we jump, well, just tell me what to do. Tell me what to do. He tells us first who. But then he tells them what to do. In verse 7, it is a twofold mission of what to do. It begins with proclaiming the kingdom message. Proclaim the kingdom message. Verse 7, as you go, preach this message. The kingdom of heaven is near. The gospel is the gospel of the kingdom. The good news of the kingdom. That in the midst of kingdoms at war, the kingdom of light and the kingdom of darkness, the kingdom of God and the kingdom of Satan, the kingdom of heaven and the kingdom of this world, in the midst of these kingdoms, there is good news. And the message is the kingdom of heaven in the person of Jesus has come near. We don't have to make our way up to heaven, to God. God has come. Jesus has come and brought the kingdom of heaven to earth. And so that was his message. His message was repent. In other words, turn from the ways in which you are going. Turn from your sin. Turn from your selfishness. Turn from your own ways of thinking and doing. And turn, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is near it is at hand. It's not a time frame. It is a proximity. It is a physical distance. That wherever the presence of Jesus is, the kingdom of heaven is near. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. And so often we view the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven as this future reality. And there is the future fulfillment, the fullness of the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God to come future. But Jesus has also said in his coming, the kingdom is at hand. The kingdom is near. And so we call people to repent of their way and to come into the kingdom of heaven. We come to that through the person of Jesus and through his work on the cross. We declare the good news message that there is a savior who has come who has made the way through his death and his resurrection for us as we place our faith in him to come from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light, to come into the kingdom of heaven by faith and by repentance. This is our message. This is our good news to proclaim that the kingdom has come through the person of Jesus. Our king is the way in through faith in him. But not only were they to proclaim the kingdom message. Jesus has come. The Messiah has come. He is here. The kingdom is here. They were also to demonstrate that kingdom to people, and we are as well. Verse 1, as he called his 12 disciples to him, he gave them authority to drive out evil spirits and to heal every disease and sickness. And in verse 8, after telling them, here is the message. The kingdom of heaven is near. 
He tells them, heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those who have leprosy, drive out demons. With the arrival of the kingdom came the demonstration of what the kingdom looks like. The kingdom of God coming from heaven. What does heaven look like? Well, heaven is demonstrated in all of these things. That in heaven, as they proclaim the message, they demonstrated this is what it looks like. That the sick are healed. That the dead are raised. That those who have leprosy and are isolated because of their leprosy, they are cleansed and they are brought back into community. The things that marginalize people are broken away and they are brought back into a place where there's relationship with God and relationship with people. And driving out demons. Demons are the enforcers of the kingdom of darkness. And so part of the kingdom coming is the driving out of the enforcers of the kingdom of darkness. The demonstrations of the kingdom give validity to the message. And the message gives validity to the demonstrations. They work together so that it's just not talk of a message. It is demonstration. It is meeting people where they are isolated and outside of the kingdom so that they place their faith in him and are brought in to the kingdom as well. We've been given a mission to tell people that the kingdom of heaven is open on earth and it is ready to accept all who will repent and all who will walk by faith in Christ. And we've been given this message to also demonstrate through healing, through bringing the dead to life spiritually, and he still does it sometimes today, physically, pushing back the enemy and welcoming the isolated back into community. Friends, I want you to hear this. When you hear that message, and even as I share all that message of what we are to do, proclaim the message and demonstrate it, how many of you hear that and go, I can never do that. Let's be honest. I mean, go heal the sick. Go raise the dead. Go cleanse the leper. Go drive out demons. How many of you hear that and go, oh, that's for somebody else. I might be able to proclaim the message, but to do both of those things, to declare with boldness that the kingdom is here and then to demonstrate it. Come on, let's be honest. How many of you go, I don't think I can do that. Okay, here's the good news. You don't have to do that. He does it. Sometimes we don't take these steps of boldness because we would say, I can't do any of that. And that is the beginning place of being on mission, of saying, I can't do that. But here's the good news. Here's the good news. We ask this question, Lord, what do you want me to do today? I love that our youth are doing the study on experiencing God because the whole theme of it is this. God is at work. He's at work. How do we join him? Do you believe our God is at work in our world today? So the question isn't, 
Lord, I got to run and I got to go proclaim everywhere and I got to heal the sick and drive out demons and cleanse the lepers and all these kinds of things. I got to do all these things. No, Lord, the question is, as a good soldier in the army of the king is to come to him and to say, Lord, what are you doing? And how do you want me, how are you inviting me to join what you are doing? Listen, I can tell you from experience, I've done it both ways. But when we learn to discern what God is doing, that's when we see people be ripe for harvest, ready to hear the message of the kingdom. That's when you see the afflicted delivered. That's when you see the lonely brought into community. That's when you see healing take place. Not when I have to go manufacture this thing. But when we are able to hear and discern, this is what the Lord is doing in this person's life. Now, Lord, how do I join you in their life? That happens by living in the river of his presence. That happens by seeking moment by moment in increasing levels. Understand, we don't go from not living in his presence to living every moment in his presence. It is a process. It is a journey. And I don't think there's any one of us who would say that we live in his presence every single moment of every day. And that should not condemn us. That should not discourage us. It would just say, Lord, we want more of you. And as we have more of him, As we live in the river of his presence, we ask him this question in the interactions of the people around us. Lord, what are you doing? And how do you want me to join in what you're doing? Hear who to go to. Hear what to do. Lastly, hear what to take. Hear what to take. Verses 9 through 10 Jesus says, do not take. (laughs) What do you take? Well, Jesus doesn't tell you what to take. He tells you what not to take. (laughs) Like, that's not a good, like, organizational tactic there. For everyone who's like a type A person, you want to know, here's the list of all the things you can check off, you can take. Jesus says, "Here's, here's what you don't do. Don't take any gold or silver or copper in your belts. Take no bag for the journey. Take no extra tunic or sandals or a staff. So what is he saying? He's saying don't worry in this kingdom mission about your needs. Don't worry about money. Don't worry about clothing or supplies. He has a plan for them. He tells them at the end of verse 10, the worker is worth his keep. In the day that Jesus was living, there was a priestly system that understood that when those who served the Lord came into the town, that the people who were for the Lord, it was their right and their duty and their responsibility to take care of those who were serving him. And so Jesus uses that. We'll see it next week in verse 11. Whatever town or village you enter into, search for some worthy person there and stay at his home until you leave. In other words, the system was there. Jesus is saying, don't worry as you go to these places that I'm going to t- send you to. Don't worry about all the things that you need. 
because I've got it all figured out ahead of time for you. I will supply your needs. It doesn't say neglect your physical needs, but he says don't worry. Don't have your physical needs on the forefront of your mind. Needs are needs, and they would be taken care of. But his desire is that they would not worry. They would not get distracted by them. Because if they were free from the worry of their needs, they would then be free to give what they have received. He gives them authority. In verse 1, he gave them authority. And in verse 8, he tells them, freely you have received, now freely give. They've been walking with him for a while now. They've heard all of his teaching. They've seen the demonstrations of his authority and power. There's not a lot that they are like, I don't quite believe yet. They, they had it kind of figured out. This, we, we're pretty confident this guy is who he says. And he tells them, what you have received, what I've taught you, the life that I've given to you, the, the love that we have shared, the relationship that we have shared, the power that I've demonstrated, the authority that you have seen where everyone hears my teaching and everyone sees my demonstrations and they go, this guy has authority like we haven't seen before. He tells them, I give you that authority, that power. Freely, I've given you all of these things. From what I've given to you, now freely go give it away. We are no different. I had one person tell me one time, oh, those were the disciples. They did all that stuff. I can't do that. Those were the disciples. Here, I want you to understand, the disciples got chastised all the time. Oh, you have little faith. <laughs> the disciples were not the learned ones. They were the everyday people. They were just like me and just like you. Don't say, oh, those were those people and this is just me. If you've received from Jesus, you have something to give away. We receive from him and we are filled by him for one purpose, not to hoard it, but to give it away. But we have to come to those places where we are with the Lord so that we are freshly poured into so we have something to give. Jesus was seeking to free them of the worry of need Mara reminded us that we're going to hear an amazing financial report from Rachel during our annual meeting. And finances can be one of those things when it comes to churches and comes to ministry, or you can look at it and go, oh Lord, oh no, oh no, oh no. 
But what is Jesus saying? He's saying that I've got it taken care of. That if you are on mission with me, if you are living in the river of my presence and you are discerning who to go to and what to do, you will never be at a place where you will say, how are we going to have enough? The Lord funds what he favors. He provides for what he calls his people to. It may not always come quite when we want it or how we think it will come, but he will always give us what we need when we are following what he has for us to do. So don't worry about our needs, but let us be people who are in the presence of the Lord, trusting and receiving from him freshly so that we have something to give away. So that when we are out there, we have something to freely give. I know I've shared this, but this is just a story the Lord continues to bring back, probably because it was so defining for me in this reality of freely you have received, not freely give. I was on a missions trip to a Central Asian country, and we were just there with the, the alliance workers who were in that country. And on one of the last days of the trip with the people, we were on a retreat, and our goal from here in the States was just to go and to pour into and bless them and to pray with them and encourage them. And we just did things like that. Freely, you have received, now freely give. As they were out there, we just came alongside of it. And on the last day that we were with them, on the last day of this retreat, we were to have a time where each one of the workers would have been prayed over. And earlier in the morning, um, we just had a time of prayer and worship that I, I can just say there was, it was so supernatural that the filling of the Lord was so tangible upon me. It, I, it's nothing, it was just freely he was giving to the point where I was like, I don't know what to do with this. Like, it, it was that heavy. It was like the glory of the Lord. It was that heavy. And so we got into this time of prayer, and we began to pray. And I, one by one, those in our team would just have these words from God for each of these workers, where these workers would have testimonies like, oh, how did you know that? I had been praying for that. There were a couple that said, I've been praying for that. And they specifically felt from the Lord that they were not to tell anybody in their group that they were working with regularly what they were praying for because the Lord was just saying, keep this to yourself, I will answer it. And there were a number of those prayers that there was no way that anyone would have known what they were praying for to say. It was just these words were coming to us. It was not of ourselves. This was freely we have received, freely giving. And I can tell you, in the midst of that time, it was like as those words were being poured out and the words of God in ministry was taking place, the revelation of the presence of God was happening and ministering, I, I began just to kind of just slowly come back to like life where I felt normal again. Why? Because I had been poured into by the very presence of the Lord, by the Spirit of God. And as that was freely given, it was being freely given out it was like a sponge getting saturated that was slowly getting squeezed out to when it was back to normal. 
And friends, I believe that that's not, and th- th- this is why I always go back to that one, because I don't want that just to be mission trip living. If you've ever been on a mission trip, you get out of your culture, you get out of your comfort zone, and you're like out there and you're like, God, I am so far out of my comfort zone that you're going to have to come through. And I I tell you, when you're out of those spaces, God comes through. (laughs) But there's something about living in the day-to-day and the comforts of life and the comforts of routines and the safety of what we know that kind of hinders some of that desperation to the point that I think sometimes we limit what God wants to do. I I limit what God wants to do because I can kind of make it through. I can navigate life. But, oh, God, would you give us just that kind of we're on a mission trip kind of desperation that we can't do this thing on our own? Because if we do, I believe that there will be such outpouring of the Spirit's presence upon us and ministry through us so that our natural rhythm just becomes, Lord, what do you want to give to me today? So that as who is it that you're sending me to, what is it that you are wanting me to do so that it is freely given away? Brothers and sisters, this is the mission that we've been given. We acknowledge veterans this morning and in military or in places where there's authority structures, you salute the commanding officer. You stand at attention. You salute the commanding officer. Friends, we are people who salute our commanding officer as well, our king. But it's done a little different. It's not by standing at attention. It's done by laying our lives down at the feet of our king. As we sang, I will build my life, we lay our lives before the king. saying, Lord, you have a mission that you've called us to. We choose to accept. Would you tell us today who to go to? Because the mission's about people. Would you tell us what to do? How to share this kingdom message and demonstrate it? And would you pour afresh upon us so that we might have something to give away today? As the worship team comes, we're going to sing a song that I hope stirs your faith. Because sometimes we see the mission and you're like, oh, Lord, this is big. And it is. But we want to declare who he is. He is unstoppable. His mission and his purposes will be accomplished. And he just invites us to be a part of it. So, Lord... I pray this morning and for myself as well as for my brothers and sisters that you would just stir within us a hunger and a desperation that would drive us deeper into the river of your presence but would not just be for what we get but that it would pour out through us as well. Father, we we do choose to accept that mission. 
would you as a church family and would you as individuals lead us to the people that you would have us to go to? Would you help us to know how to speak the good news of the kingdom and demonstrate it to those that we come in contact with? And would you so fill us up that we would have something to freely give away? We thank you, Father. You are an unstoppable God. Your mission will be accomplished. Your purpose will be accomplished. We thank you for inviting us into it. In Jesus' name, amen.